I have the privilege of standing here before you today to tell you that we're about, today's a, the last uh, message in our series on what we believe. It's our 10th week that we've been in this series. And in this series, we've taken a look at what we believe as a church, what we believe about God, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, what we believe about humanity, the nature of humanity. Last week, I talked to you about what we believe about the future of humanity. And today, I want to talk to you about what we believe about the destiny of humanity. And I titled this sermon today, Living with a Glimpse of Tomorrow. Living with a Glimpse of Tomorrow. You know, we, um, last Friday, I think it was, this last past Friday, we had our 4th of July celebration. It was awesome. Wasn't it awesome? It was. It was great. And, um, you know, it, we had fun and festivities. People would gather from all over the, uh, from across the city, and we'd come there. We were under the pavilion, and, you know, we had, uh, we were winding it down. We're at the tail end of it, and most everybody had gone home. There's about a handful of us there that we're still looking around and making sure that we left the place just as we found it. How many of you know that it's important to leave a place that you've rented just like you found it? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Be good stewards over what God has blessed us with and, and leave no doubt that when we ask for it again, there won't be any questions on whether or not we can handle our own business. What do you say about that? And so we were in the process of cleaning everything up, and um, there's about a handful of us left. And, and Judy Levine, in typical Judy Levine fashion, walks up to the, the fence there, and there was a, a, a bunch of balloons, probably a dozen balloons or so, in red, white, and blue. And Judy grabs the balloons in their helium field, and she takes them, and she holds them up like this, and she says something like this. She said, Father, thank you for this spectacular day that you've given us for this unforgettable experience, and we offer a praise to you, and we release these balloons to you as, a, as, a, as an offer of thanksgiving to you. Something like that. When she released those balloons in the air, I'm sitting there watching them go up in their red, white, and blue, you know, and, and it's up against the, the sky, blue sky, and the, you got the high-altitude clouds up there, just painted a beautiful black drop. And the, these red, white, and blue balloons are going up, and they catch probably an air current, and you just watch them as they, as they go out of sight. And I thought to myself, that's going to be a whole lot like the rapture where we're no longer going to be held down by gravity. But when Jesus Christ returns to come get us, the Bible says we're going to be caught up to meet him in the clouds, and so will we be with the Lord forever. That's, that's what the Bible tells us about the end times. Now, last week I told you that the study of the end times is, uh, is known by this Greek word called, it's, it's eschatology. It means the study of the last times, the, the end times, the study of the last days. And part of the study of the last days have to do with this, this incredible event that's going to take place during the last days called the tribulation period. It's a seven-year period of time where the wrath of God is going to be poured out on the earth. 
And, and this tribulation period is going to happen in two phases. It's going to be broken right in half, a, a three-and-a-half-year period and another three-and-a-half-year period. The first three-and-a-half-year period is going to be known as just the tribulation period. And then the second three-and-a-half-year period is going to be known as the great tribulation. That's where the full wrath of God is going to be poured out on the earth. Now, there are many people that have debated the return of Jesus Christ whether it would be before, during, or after this tribulation period. Greater minds, far greater minds than mine have debated this for centuries. Some people believe that it's going to be what's called a pre-trib rapture, where, where before all this stuff takes place, before all of, the, um, of the, um, the, the plagues and the trumpets and the bowls and, and all these things, the seals being broken, before all this stuff happens, Jesus Christ is going to come back and get his church. Pre-trib. Some believe mid-trib. That's, that's right in the middle of the tribulation period during that three-and-a-half-year stretch that the Bible says that the man of sin, the man of lawlessness, uh, the Antichrist, is going to set up shop in the temple of God. He's going to desecrate the temple of God, set himself up as God, and, and decree that everyone must worship him. He's going to break this covenant that he has with the children of Israel, with, with the Jewish nation. And in that moment, that will begin the, the great tribulation period, the second three and a half years. Some believe that Jesus Christ is going to return and set up his kingdom before the second part of the tribulation, the great tribulation. Then there are others that believe that it's going to be a post-tribulation return of Christ, where after the great tribulation has taken place and, and all of the, all the things that are mentioned in the book of Revelation happens, that then Jesus Christ is going to come the second time and set up his kingdom. Now, I've studied this thing out for many years, and I had an, an angle where I thought, you know, uh, you know, when Jesus was coming back, Bible tells us no man knows the day or the hour, but I, I you know, I, I landed on a kind of like a, I'm a mid-trip guy. See, I don't believe that we're going to, as the children of God, have to suffer the entire full wrath of God. I, I don't see in Scripture that, that that wrath is reserved for his people. I don't see that. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that the wrath of God was satisfied with the atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so I'm a mid-trip guy. I, I believe that, that the Lord is going to come back right in the middle of the tribulation period, mid-trip. That's me. But here's the truth. It doesn't matter where you believe that Jesus is coming back. It doesn't matter what, what uh, tribulation period you subscribe to. It's all incidental to what's really going to happen, the truth of what's really going to occur. And here's the truth. That Jesus Christ is coming back. He's coming back for his church. And the destiny of his people is that we are going to spend eternity with him. No one knows when he is going to return. Pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, no one knows for certain. And that's why I, I really like what the late, great Keith Green wrote. He's a singer, Christian singer, songwriter. He wrote this. He said, listen, he says, when it comes to the tribulation period and the second coming of Jesus Christ, pray for pre, prepare for post. 
Pray that he comes back and rescues us out of this mess before it all begins, but prepare as if he's not going to. Okay. Last week I said, and when talking about this, the future of humanity, that 1 Thessalonians is the passage that captures what the rapture of the church is going to look like. It's the only passage that tells us what the second coming of Christ is going to look like for the church. And we pick it up in verse 16 of chapter 4. Paul writes this. He says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry, a command, the voice of an archangel, the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so will we always be with the Lord. And therefore encourage one another with these words. Now I always thought, you know, for whatever reason, that the rapture was going to be this somewhat secretive whisking away of the saints. That Jesus was going to crack the sky and the rapture was going to happen. We'd be gone and be uneventful. But that's not what the scripture says. Scripture says that the Lord himself is going to come down with the command. In other words, he's going to come down and take over. His voice is going to be very, very authoritative. With the voice of an archangel and the trumpet, the sound of a trumpet kind of much like what we heard Blair play today. So it's not going to be this, this private whisking away of the children of God. It's going to be very visible, very triumphant, very public. And the Bible tells us when it comes to our future and our destiny that the dead in Christ are going to rise first and they're going to receive their glorified bodies that their bodies are going to be reunited with their spirits. And when that happens, Scripture tells us that we are going to reign. The redeemed are going to reign with Christ on this earth for a thousand years. And that is known as the first resurrection. It's when Jesus Christ comes and ushers in what's called the, the millennial reign where he establishes his kingdom on this earth for a thousand years years. This is our destiny. Jesus Christ is, himself is going to reign in perfect righteousness, ushering in a time of, of peace, ridding the world of sin and sickness and disease. And now many premillennialists hold to the fact that during this time when Jesus comes back and he establishes his reign on the earth, it, 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 it's going to be like like the restoration of the earth to its original state in creation before the fall of man. But the scripture, I believe, is clear when it says that even in this millennial reign, during this millennial reign, there's still going to be sin in the earth. There's still going to be sickness in the earth. There's still going to be disease in the earth. But over this thousand-year period, Jesus is going to purify the earth. He's going to rid the earth of all the things that it wasn't supposed to experience and would not have experienced before the fall, unless the fall happened. It's during this 1,000-year period of time that Scripture tells us that Satan is going to be cast into the bottomless pit 
joining the Antichrist and the beast. And, and it's in this 1,000-year reign that, that he will have no influence over the earth realm. So, so the saints of God who are reigning and ruling with Jesus will be able to, to, to advance and expand the kingdom of God here on this earth realm over this 1,000-year period. Then the Bible says that after a 1,000 years for a short period of time, Satan is going to be loosed from the pit and then many unbelievers who, who either did not embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ or, or pretended that they did and really didn't, Satan is going to join forces with them and, and they're going to come against Jesus and his kingdom as he's established here over that thousand-year millennial period. They're going to come against him and try to overthrow his government. But the Bible says that they will be sorely and decisively defeated as fire from heaven will fall down and consume them. Then it says Satan, the deceiver, the, the, the accuser of the brethren, that great red dragon is going to be thrown into the lake of fire, joining the Antichrist and the beast, and there be tormented forever. It's at that time where all those who are dead, the unbelievers who were not raised from the first, at the first resurrection, are going to be raised and stand before God for the final judgment. And this family is known as the second resurrection. Soon right after that, soon following the second resurrection, will be the judgment of the earth. Most of you know this as, as the great white throne judgment. And here's what we know. It doesn't matter where you land in terms of when Jesus is coming back, whether it's pre, mid, or post-trib. It doesn't matter. But all theologians agree that there's going to be a judgment. And that this judgment this great white throne judgment is going to consist of the righteous being separated from the unrighteous. The unrighteous receiving their eternal reward, which is total separation, eternal separation from God without any hope. The unrighteous are going to receive their eternal reward, eternal separation from God without any hope. I, I, don't, I don't know how that feels because no matter how desperate my situation has been here on this earth, for as long as I live, there's always been a glimmer of hope somewhere. But when Jesus, when Jesus comes back and, and the, the second resurrection happens and, and the dead stand before God, both small and great for the great white throne judgment, the unrighteous will receive their eternal reward, which is eternal separation from God without any hope. I stress that fact because I'm secure in where I'm going. 
And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to be secure with what your eternal destiny looks like too. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, that is not enough. God has sent us to a lost and dying world. And every time we walk past an opportunity to give the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news to someone who is lost, I'll say it again like I said last week. Rick Warren says it's like telling the lost and dying world, you can go to hell. It's not enough to have our tickets punched family. God has sent us as ambassadors, as representatives of his kingdom, so that on that day when we stand before God, we can stand before him knowing that we have done all that we can do in this body to give the gospel, to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. So both will receive their eternal judgment. In the book of Revelation, chapter 20, verse 11. How many of you have your Bible with you? Revelation, chapter 20, verse 11. John the Revelator writes what the great white throne judgment is going to look like. Pick it up in verse 11. He says this. And for those of you who didn't bring your Bible, we're going to let you cheat. It's on the screen. John says, and then I saw a great white throne on him, on him who was seated on it. From his presence, the earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, stand before the throne, and the books were opened. The books were opened. The books were open. Then another book was open, which was the book of life. One book. One book. There's going to be many books for those who have not embraced the gospel of Jesus Christ, but there's only one book for those of us who have. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up their dead that were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. And this is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown in the lake of fire the unrighteous, the ones whose names aren't found in the book of life, lost, eternally separated from God without any hope. I believe the scripture attests to the fact that there will be eternal torment without any hope of ever getting out. But for the righteous, before the righteous, before the righteous, everyone say righteous. Before the righteous, it doesn't mean that for us. It means eternal communion with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It means being reunited 
with those loved ones that have gone on before us. It means being able to meet the, the, the patriarchs and the matriarchs of all that we've read about in Scripture all these years. Connie, it means reuniting with your mother. Baby, it means reuniting with your mother. All those who have gone on and preceded us in death, whose, whose race is not finished, the Bible says, until we complete ours. On that day, our journey will be complete. And we are going to be able to spend eternity with the Lord. We will reign with Jesus Christ, the King of kings, forever and ever and ever. And after the great white throne judgment, John says that there is a new heaven and a new earth that will come down. And when that happens, then there will at no for no, there will no more be any sin, sickness, any disease, any death, any poverty, no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more pain. And John tells us in Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, he says, The Lord God himself will wipe the tears from our eyes. He's going to wipe the tears from our eyes. Let me tell you what I believe about that. Since there's no sorrow in heaven, since there'll be nothing to grieve about in heaven, I believe the tears that we're going to shed will be tears that, that come as a result of a revelation of all the missed opportunities that we had when we were here. Opportunities for relationship. Opportunities to lead others to Jesus Christ. I believe all those opportunities are going to flood our mind and God is going to say, well done. I know you're grieving, but I am going to wipe the tears from your eyes. I believe that. And so I said last week, and I'll say it again, I believe that we are living our future now. I believe that we are living with a glimpse of tomorrow right now, too. And Lance, you can bring your team up. And here's how. I believe that we get to a chance to experience what eternal relationship looks and feels like right now on this earth. You know, I mentioned the 4th of July picnic and, um, and there were times in that picnic where, where I, just, I just separated myself from the crowd and went out by the fence and just, just, just looked around and saw who all was there, young and old, black, white, Hispanic, Korean, Hmong, African, Filipino, male and female all hanging around, playing, listening to music, having fun with one another. No agenda. Just to be with each other. You know, I, I tried my best to avoid this, so I was, you know, I was watching really closely. They was throwing those water balloons and stuff, you know, so I was, I'd get way far away from when that was happening. And then all of a sudden, somebody, some kid snuck up behind me and started putting ice down my back. 
You know, ice down your back on a hot day, that's not very price and precious. So I started putting ice down my back, man. I was like, ah, and then so then they were chasing me all around. I was running. I was running fast. I was running hard. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, some cat, I think it was Joe, I think it was Photo Joe, hit me with a water balloon right up, right smack upside my face. <laughs> and everybody was like, ooh. I laughed. It was fun. It was simply the family of God being the family of God, enjoying each other. That family, I believe, is a glimpse of tomorrow. I believe that it begins just like when those balloons went up in the air. I believe it will begin with the rapture, the physical return of Jesus Christ as it relates to our destination in heaven. But I believe we are living our future right now, and I believe that the more we experience community with one another, the more iron sharpens iron right here, that we get to live with a glimpse of what tomorrow looks like. We're the redeemed. We're the ones that get to spend eternity in heaven. And I believe that we can get a slice of that right here. It's to that end that Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. He says, you also were dead in trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this war, following the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the, the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, lest any should boast. I want to leave you with a question today. Maybe, maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, oh, that sounds kind of scary, Pastor Greg. I don't know what that means for me. Let me, leave, let me leave you with this question. I don't want you to leave here today not knowing the answer to this question for sure. Where will you spend eternity? If Jesus Christ came back right now and cracked the sky, raptured his church, took us home, where would you spend eternity? eternity all the things that Jesus has done for us the price he's paid on Calvary you do not have to leave here today uncertain of your destiny Lance is going to sing a song we're going to sing together and I want you to ponder that question as you as you sing or as you just reflect and then we're going to close in prayer 
then my wife and I and several others will be up here at the the front of the stage and if you want to meet us in prayer we will agree with you in prayer pray for you and if if today you hear the voice of the Lord saying today's the day to embrace my truth then we'll pray for you to receive that and pray with you and be the first to welcome you into the family of God okay let's sing together